You're listening to the B-Side podcast on Brick Radio. If you like what you hear or think there's an artist or band we should have in studio, let us know in the comments. Otherwise, sit back, relax, tune in, and turn on. Welcome back, Brooklyn. Tis the season for more love and more joy, giving us the perfect way to introduce today's guest, Ayo, which actually means joy in the African language of Yoruba. Singer, songwriter, and world music artist Ayo gifts us with the layered sound, which, although it actually draws from a range of her emotions, including the tumultuous lows and exuberant highs of the world, is sure to fill the studio with something we all can be joyful about tonight. I am your host, Queen God Is, encouraging you to get comfy and cozy for a special heartwarming, soul-soothing, good vibes ride on B-Side. Keep it close. December 2017, I just want to give a quick acknowledgement that this is the last B-side for the year. So audience, give it up for yourselves one more time. And what a beautiful way to wrap up this year than with a beautiful and brilliant artist to kind of just, we have this unplugged vibe, like we very intimate experience. Ayo, there are so many things to say about you. Before I go deep into it, I would love for you to introduce this awesome musician that is playing with you tonight. Jermaine Parrish. Give it up for Jermaine. Born and raised in Brooklyn. Oh, born and raised in <laughs> yeah. Brooklyn. Yes, perfect. And for those who don't know, what he's playing, this uh, percussive instrument is called? A cajon. Cajon. Got it. Really warm and beautiful sound. Let us Thank get you. into it. So you are a singer, a songwriter, a musician, a dancer, I would dare say, a world traveler, <laughs> an actress, which a lot of people may not know, and you are also a multi-platinum selling artist and a mother. Yes, a mother of three. A mother of three. <laughs> yes. In a world where so many artists and musicians try to, in some ways, downplay their personal life or their family relationships, um, just so that maybe we can focus on other things or this idea of what a superstar is supposed to be, someone who's free from certain types of connections um, and responsibilities. Family and motherhood is a big part. So I want to start with this because yes. it, family is a big part of how you created your first song at 15 years old, and every album has a, pretty much has a connection to a member of your family. Yes, let's talk about true. family is to you um, and how it has been a, a foundation for your work. Family to me is, I would say, it's like the country where you're from. I don't really believe in being from a certain place, like I cannot say I'm from Nigeria or I am from Germany or I am from Romania or I'm so mixed that I never really knew where I was from really. I couldn't name one country but I can say I'm from my mother and my dad. Like that's my, that's my family, that's my roots, those are the people who gave me 
my knowledge and the vision that I have and then the way I look at the world, you can consider yourself blessed, you know, when you have one. And when I think about people who don't have a family, you know, sometimes when I think about it, it makes me sad. But at the same time, I can say that family as well can be just the people you love dearly and your friends, you know, at a certain age, you you make your own family, you create your own family, you know. And in many ways, music becomes a familial source for a lot of people. When they listen to different artists, they feel a sense of home or a sense of connection. And I know your music has done that for a lot of people. In a case in point, one of the producers earlier was, had a, a connection with your music. And, and sometimes these family connections that we're making as listeners and lovers of music, the artists will never know. Your father is Nigerian. Exactly. Your mother is Romanian. You grew up. She actually is a Roma. She's a Roma. Can yeah, you which explain is, that first? You know, a lot of people, even on the internet, they always get it wrong. They all say my mother is Romanian, but my mother was born in Germany, but she's a gypsy. Oh. Gypsies don't have a country. They, they, you know, it's almost like I would always give the example, like when you say you have the Jewish people, right. you know, the Jewish people, it's, of course it's a religion, mm -hmm. but it's tribal, you know, yeah. in a way. Gypsies, you have the Sintis, yeah. and you have um, Romas, you know, and, and Romas, the gypsies that you will find in Eastern uh, Europe, you know. Yeah. I'm glad that you actually brought this up, because this brings up a lot of different points. And one, the first point being that music becomes a world history lesson for a lot of people who may not have been introduced to a lot of concepts. People learn languages from music, people learn uh, world histories from music, like I said, about different cultures. Specifically about the word gypsy, um, it has been brought to my attention multiple times and I've heard that, that that word in many ways is considered a derogatory word, but you're self-identifying as, you know, by way of your lineage. Can you explain us a little bit more about that word so that we can wrap our minds around the layers of that word and how your mom even may have accepted that word for her? If you think about it, the correct term would be Romani people, you know, right. to say um, Essentially a nomad. Yeah, exactly, okay. a nomad, exactly. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. There's a lot of people who feel like offended mm -hmm. um, when you use that, that word, but at the same time, me personally, I don't feel offended mm -hmm. when, because, you know, to me, I find beauty even in it. Mm -hmm. I think everything depends on how you look at, sure. at something, you know? Sure. Like what you make out of it, if you only see, like if you look at it from a negative, Point of view, and you want it to be negative, right. then of course you can. Right, feel and this offended. is kind of coming on the heels of a legacy or, or many traditions of people claiming terms and finding source points of endearment. I mean, this has happened with many words, and it's complicated. So Very some complicated. people can use it. <laughs> so the term was referring to uh, thievery or, or these people who were yes. nomads traveling to sustain themselves without a traditional sense of home, having to make a living for themselves. Yes, but you know it's interesting what you're saying because it's not the word itself. It's the, the problem is that people think this is what gypsies are because in their heads it's like you say gypsy they think of, of like the family that is on the sidewalk um, asking for money and up to no good poor, trouble stealing and, yeah. poor mm -hmm. but you know you have gypsies that settle down you know like right. in Germany as an example I remember in Hamburg my first band that I ever had they were Sintis they were gypsies as well and they were settled down and they live in this it's almost like a village and there's only Sintis living there they have their own church they're all like, it's a clan, you know. Okay. Their name is Family White. Okay. In, in German, it's Weiss, but it's, you know, in English, if you translate it, it's, it's white, okay. white. And they all live there, and there's so many houses, beautiful houses, and, and it's this huge community, you know. So okay. a lot of people don't know that. So, so we started with one song, which was called All I Want, and we ended uh, in this beautiful rabbit hole of social, political, <laughs> cultural conversation. And I think that that's 
a beautiful way to kind of go into your set today because there's so it's so smooth and simple in some ways, but it has a lot of layers to it. One of my favorite quotes of the year is actually, um, and I mean this humbly, something that I came up with right before a performance I was doing, and I said, to make a list of all the things that you love and then build your whole world around it. And when we were talking before about some of the challenges growing up that kind of fueled your music, I was going to ask you, well, what are some of the things that you did to kind of lift yourself up? And then I'm listening to this song. <laughs> Not that we're promoting sugar, over sugar consumption, you know, just a little so dangerous, bad, especially right? during this season. Okay, let's get it straight. But I was listening. What was really beautiful is that, you know, you're very specific about the things that bring you joy. So yeah. for those who are looking for a very modest resolution, the list of the things that you love, you can throw in a couple of sugar things if you have to, um, and then kind of go back to those in moments where you need it. Let's weave our three songs in halfway through the show, and we've heard probably about four or five different languages come out of your mouth. <laughs> How many languages do you speak? How many instruments do you play? I speak three languages, French, German, English, fluently, but then I do speak a little bit of Yoruba. I understand more than I actually speak. Mm -hmm. I um, speak a little bit of Dutch too, but I understand pretty much everything because it's so close to Germany. And, uh, and then I speak music. Yes. Yeah, y'all can give it up for that. Speak music. <laughs> Speaking of speaking music, how many instruments do you play? Uh, I play the piano, um, the guitar, the drums a little. I, I write on the drums a lot. My first instrument was the violin, mm -hmm. which I would say I don't play it anymore, really. But, you know, to me, instruments are like toys. I like picking them up and just mm -hmm. playing around with it. And I feel like you can get a sound out of any kind of instrument. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, you don't have to be like Jimi Hendrix on the guitar. You know, if you know how to play one chord, mm. one chord can be the greatest blessing. Mm -hmm. Some people would beg to differ. Maybe just kind of adjust the volume on that, depending on who's around you. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, which is a beautiful sentiment because there's so many things to discourage people, particularly young people, from going for it, finding their voice, finding their instrument, putting it out there to the world. You don't sound like this person. You don't sound like that person. You are not good enough. There's this idea of not being good enough that is pretty universal, unfortunately. How did you find out that you were good enough? 
very good question. You. <laughs> you know, I think I have to say that my dad, okay. my father always wanted me to study, yes. but I didn't want to go study. I didn't want to go to university because I always thought I cannot study music. To me, I didn't feel like it's something that I could study because the way music came to me was on a total different level, you know, it was like a therapeutic way for me to express myself and I felt like I cannot, nobody can teach me how to love, like you have your own way to love and nobody can, nobody can tell you how to love, you know, you will find out the best way, nobody can tell you and teach you how to be you and music to me was the same way and at one point, you know, I remember in the very beginning, you know, you have idols, you, like as an example, when you, you know, there were so many great artists like Erica Badu, mm -hmm. Lauren Hill, um, India Irie, like those yeah. incredible, powerful women, Jill Scott, you know, one of them, like so many women that were so inspiring to me, Nina Simone. But then when you go through it, like there's a time when you're like 15, 16, I would say you try to sound like them, you know, mm -hmm. and you sing not from here, you sing here. <laughs> you always sound a little nasal <laughs> and you, it's because you didn't discover your own voice yet and as long as you sing songs of others I feel like it's hard to kind of find your own voice you know all right so your dad for those who may not remember he is a Nigerian man mm -hmm. he was a engineer of yeah. some kind and he was also kind of moonlighted as a DJ which is yes. a very interesting amazing combination for my African friends, you know, that is like almost like a Gemini split. Like on one yep. hand, the, Niger the traditional Nigerian says, no, you will be doing doctor, lawyer, or something else, legit income producing, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. And then, but then, you know, Nigeria is rich with all of these other cultural influences and icons and singers, songwriters that, yes. you know, that world renowned. That, did you experience both sides of your father in that yes. way? And um, how did he arrive to the place of really just uh, affirming you? You know, my sister, she became pregnant very early, at an early age. She was 19 when she had her first child. And my father, after that, my father was very strict with me in a way, because he didn't want for me to yes. kind of go down the same uh, road. And not in a bad way, but he just thought it wasn't the right thing for me. But he didn't know that I was singing, actually, you know. He thought, you know, when I would come home, like, a little later, he thought, like, he was like, oh, she has a boyfriend or something. But I didn't have a boyfriend. And I was really singing with a friend of mine. I get it. So he was relieved. Yeah. He was like, you can do music as yes. long as it's not a boy. But when he heard my voice, it was then when I sang for him for the first time, because I was very shy. I didn't ever want to sing in front of my father. But when he heard my voice for the first time, that's when he said to me that he believes a lot, my father. And he said that God had a different path for me. And he was sure that it wasn't the university. And he was so sure that he allowed you to actually to drop out. My father told me, you know, when I when I when I dropped out of school, my dad always told me, go away as far as possible. When I when I moved to London first, from London I went to Paris. I played in all these bars and all this, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, I jumped the metro and all this. You know, I couldn't afford a ticket and stuff like this. But my father told me when I called him and I said, Dad, I want to come back because many times mm -hmm. I had doubts and I just wanted to return home. He said, you stay where you are. <laughs> that was your choice, and it's going to be hard but you will succeed. Is your father still alive? Yes. And what's his name? His name is Taye, Julius Taye Ogumaki. Yes. But they call him Tony. <laughs> Mr. Tony. And As your a mom? DJ, it was DJ Tony. DJ Tony, yes. And your mom? My mom's name is Lexi, but and her real name is Alexandra Barbara Baranowski. And they're both with us? Yes. I just want to give an acknowledgement to your parents for living their life and going through the ups and downs and that and then allowing you to live yours. Mm -hmm. 
and encouraging you through the ups and downs of that. We're going to go into the next song um, because I want the audience to have a chance to digest all of this. And to the parents <laughs> at home watching, you know, please find space in your life to give, to encourage your children to, to, to live theirs fully. They can try everything to keep me from you. For sure they can. Spread a million stories that ain't true. Let's jump into it. Let's talk about the relationship of politics in your work, particularly, more specifically, brutality and the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, to me, I have to say, you know, when I, when I wrote the song, I never forget, it was like around three years ago. I came home, I was in Brooklyn, and um, I came home and I turned on the TV. And all over the news was what, what just happened to Mike Brown. They were interviewing a mother at a playground, and then they asked her what she would tell her kids, in particular her two black sons. She said, I tell them whenever the police comes, when they're at the park, when they see police, they have to stop running, they have to just stand still and be quiet and don't do too much. And basically, she said, you know, you tell your kid to not be a kid. When I saw the mother talking about what she told her kids, it inspired me to write this song because I was thinking about, I was thinking about Mike Brown's mother mm -hmm. and the mothers of all these victims and unfortunately so many of them. Yeah. Back then when I wrote the song, I had no record label. I just left my record label. I was signed to Universal for 10 years mm -hmm. and um, was an Interscope in the States and then I was a Motown and always a major labels. And, I had the need to just leave and I wanted to quit music actually. Wow. That's why I came to Brooklyn. I thought it was time for me to just be a mother, not play music and not tour and just be there for my two children at that time. The third one wasn't there. And when this happened, I just had to pick up my guitar and write about it. And it was crazy because I wanted to release this song. I wanted for the song to come out because I felt like people have to hear this. I felt like it's weird because we wait for such a long time before a record comes out. You collect the songs, then you go to the studio, record the songs, then you put it out. By the time you put it out, it's almost like too late. I think music should be in the moment. It's sure. a powerful tool. But specifically regarding themes of political issues, cultural, racial issues, injustice, these are themes that are pretty consistent yeah. throughout time. So do you, did you ever feel like you had written a song about a certain political issue or a certain um, cultural issue and you felt like it was outdated? Or are these songs kind of like... Unfortunately, that's, that's what I wanted to say. Unfortunately... It wasn't. It wasn't. Mm -hmm. Because ever since I wrote the song, mm -hmm. so much more has exactly. happened, you know? It's mm -hmm. so, almost scary. What's the response to this particular song and others like it? since you've been performing it as yeah. of late? You know, I have to say that the response is always very, very um, emotional. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because you know how sometimes you can feel, like I said, you can feel like uncomfortable when you talk about certain things because often I've been told as an example, oh, you know, but this is kind of like racism when you say this or that. And mm -hmm. I'm like, how can I be racist? Mm -hmm. My mother is white and my father is black. Mm -hmm. There are people can, who find a way. You know, and I, I feel <laughs> but, like I can talk about yes, what's you, going you, on in both worlds. Right, you know, if I can right. be that messenger, you know, course, then maybe let me be that. But Has that been a difficult job, to be in between 
worlds that for most people are just, people live in, you know, these polarizing experiences, like one extreme or the other, but you have found, you know, a, a middle ground between both sides of your cultural heritage. That's what I wanted to say, thank you. If you don't know your place, the right place to be at is always truth. truth. Within truth, mm -hmm. you will find your place. You know, I think it's more important these days to stand for something. Mm -hmm. You know, and I have to say this, the industry unfortunately is not designed, and I'm talking about the music industry, sure. they don't want for you to hear certain things. These are not the 60s and 70s anymore. Gil Scott Heron said, the revolution will not be televised. Mm -hmm. And so we want to actually acknowledge Gil Scott Heron for putting that notion out there and then giving us the fire that we needed to flip that yes. so that we can start to put more media attention yes. independently on these conversations. Yes. This is a great segue into the next song. Um, reminding the audience of your message is if you stand inside your truth, stand inside your truth, you cannot go wrong. It's not easy. We are going into 2018 <laughs> loving like rebels, taming like rebels, feeding like rebels. I want to just kind of give you some more props. So you perform with Babyface, you perform for Jay-Z's uh, grandmother's 90th birthday party. You are a surfer, we heard this. I don't know how true it is, but if so, that's awesome. Yes, you are a patron of UNICEF, kind of an ambassador to education and the arts. Children, yeah. And most people won't know this, uh, but you started out as an MC or a rapper. I would like for you to tell us quickly your top five MCs of all time. My top five MCs yes. of all time. And oh, feel free to include one. yourself in this. Nas. Nas. Number one. Number two, Most Def. Number three, Jay-Z. Number four, Biggie Small. Number five, Tupac. Yes. And if you could add a six, non-male to that list, who would it be? Non-male? Yeah. Lauren Hill. Lauren Hill. I, I mean, I knew it was coming. I didn't know if y'all knew it was coming. Um, you know, I have to say, I do have to say, you know, as an artist, I owe her so much because, mm -hmm. you know, when I grew up, and I think people have to really, you know, I, I give all the props to her because she is such an amazing, Absolutely. amazing woman and with so much talent. I think she's truly gifted, you know, and I think she always had a message, and, and you don't hear that lady curse too much, and that's what I love so much. Well, she had a command of vocabulary, yes. a command of language, a command of concepts. Yes. And I know for myself exactly where I was in 1996, 97, when that yeah. album was coming out, and the miseducation of Lauryn Hill and blowing up. And I know, and I know the, mo the parts of my spirit that that album and that she touched, that she literally directly inspired in my art exactly. and my womanhood, and nothing can ever erase that. So powerful. And, and I think that that's really beautiful that you acknowledge that, and you know, whereas oh. most people kind of want to shy away from 
these influences, oh, you sound like, oh, you sound like, but you, you know what, thank you. You know, to me, it's like, when I listened, you know, I was so sad when Amy Winehouse passed mm -hmm. away. Amy Winehouse, to me, uh, was an incredible artist as well. In many ways, I could tell that she was inspired by Lauryn Hill, too. Yes. Because when you I think listen the list to is very voice, long. Yeah, so many people, yeah. you know, so many Almost artists, you know. So if, many artists. Can you leave us on two sentiments, fill in these blanks really quickly? Joy is and Brooklyn is, and I think that'll be a good way to wrap the show. Joy is life, I would say, because life is the most beautiful gift and enough reason to be full of joy, you know? We'll take it, you don't even have to explain it. And Brooklyn is? Brooklyn is joy. <laughs> AKA Brooklyn is life. Bam. Brooklyn is life. Pow, you did it. Thank you so much. More, I want to just, uh, first of all, let's take, let's, let's digest that. Let's go into the new year with that. I think we did a good job on that. Uh, more than a voice, IO is a consciousness that inspires healing, unity, and of course, joy, joy, joy. And isn't that what the season is all about? Thank you so much, Ayo. Thank, Thank you both for sharing these priceless gifts with us now more than ever. We bid you the gift of our deepest gratitude and well wishes for your special journey ahead. It is indeed going to be special. That said, if you like the kind of gifts that keep on giving, check out this and past episodes of B-Side on youtube.com slash BrickTV or our podcast at soundcloud.com slash B-Side Podcast. Or you can just come on by the studio and experience this very lit giftuation live and direct. I am your host, Queen God is, reminding you that whatever you celebrate or simply reflect upon, however you spend or invest your resources, be safe, be mindful, be kind, and always be Brooklyn. Happy holidays. We love y'all. See you next year. The B-Side Podcast is produced by Charlie Hoxie, Keisha Alon Cole, Ro Johnson, and Sasha Mathias. Recorded by Onel Moulet and edited by Emily Bogosian. For more information on B-Side and all Brick Radio podcasts, visit brickartsmedia.org radio.